bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erica. And I'm Barbara. So you all know we do the work. And the work is all of the work we do, basically. (laughs) And in this time, in our politics and culture, where women are still being treated as a luxury to the patriarchal system, and not really the core of an equity system, we're asking the bad and bitchy community, and you're part of the community if you're listening to this podcast, to support us in the work we do. And when I mean support, I mean contributing as little as 5 or $10 a month to our Patreon. Like, we want to bring additional content, but we, there's only so much capacity we have. So remember those videos that we did when we would read out our comments to our articles? Like, that's one of the, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, we had to stop doing that because we just didn't have the time, the space, or the money, or the capacity to do it. Mm -hmm. So things like that, um, Patreon contributions will go towards, uh, we could buy equipment, hire a video creator or editor, who is a woman, of course. Um, and provide you with lots more to enjoy while you wonder if you're the crazy one for noticing that the world's on fire <laughs> and falling apart. And so, from I really do think that um, the perspectives of women, of queer folk, of people of color are still being sidelined in, um, in mainstream media. Uh, so support us on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash bad and bitchy. And to that effect, we actually made mainstream media this week. (laughs) (laughs) So we write shit. Um, this week, bad and bitchy went national with a byline in McLean's magazine. We will post that with, um, the show notes. And so we wrote an op-ed on Don Cherry, which we will have up in the show notes, as I said, And I have to say, we're not going to really talk about Don Cherry this week because, frankly, I've chatted about it enough on Twitter. We've we've written an article on it. And honestly, now my Twitter um, algorithm (laughs) is showing me everything hockey. Really? Yeah, because I talked about it. And (laughs) like the live, (laughs) I go up to the live offerings and it's all hockey. And I'm like, fuck. No. So, you know, please help us stop talking about this shit. <laughs> We're not going to yeah, talk about it. Yeah, I think, it. yeah, you've said everything you have to say and, like, written enough about it that, like, people kind of yeah. get where yeah. you're coming from. I think, yeah. I, I think it's I pretty think- obvious. And, you know, hate clicks are clicks, too. So, go out and <laughs> share. Share, everybody. I ask that you share our content. Yeah. Thank you. Anyway. So enough about that. Speaking of sharing, we're on social media. And of course, that can be found in the show notes. So tweet us, Facebook us, email us. I see that when you all have something to say, you do find the email. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Oh, yes. So um, send us some love too. send us some love. And we're up. All right, Barbara. Are you ready? Let's get into it. All right. So, um. I'm going to start with something. uh, So we're going to do a lot of pop culture this week um, because, frankly, politics is, well, (laughs) Uh. Canadian politics is boring. 
and and i've reached my capacity with u.s politics oh but we we will talk about well US yeah politics. but like impeach specifically impeachment proceedings like I, I can only do seven minutes every day <laughs> otherwise my brain is like no 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 more no must no i refuse so this week john legend was crowned the sexiest man alive mm-hmm. how do you how do you feel about that i i okay so i have feelings about the fact that we still have a sexiest man alive thing going on okay <laughs> but it's like completely separate from john winning no i think okay right so like if i have to keep those two things separate to be fair okay like i think it's weird that we're still like every year being like let's scout who we think is the most fuckable <laughs> i have i it seems cringy to me it's weird it is it is a bit dated isn't it it is it's kind of weird it's it's like and it's like okay i guess why like anyway i think it's like people's best seller i think of the year and it's like their way of like being like it is their best seller which is which just goes to show how much media controls a narrative anyway yeah but yeah so four so at the three out of the four years by the way yeah. people has picked a black man really three in the past four years they've three of them have been a black man dwayne johnson the in Rock, 2016 who's a secret republican that I, makes me really I, I i choose not to believe I this that. <laughs> I, I i'm just gonna i'm just gonna choose not to believe okay, it yeah. okay I, I i support you in uh, that selective selective memory that's why like i yeah um i really like ballers ballers is so good and it's so relevant now that we're just talking about the nfl right it's like so good didn't they have something about so it ended with um with the league agreeing to provide lifetime health care and it it was so it's so so current that that show yeah. is really good <laughs> and it's hilarious because like elizabeth warren loves that show does she it's her favorite show oh my god she said is it all the fucking time oh my god it's her awesome. favorite tv show I, I i love her even more and like she broke it down because she was like it's my favorite tv show because it's teaching people about fiscal responsibility and talking about planning financially and also breaking down big big like bigger companies and monopolies in, in the u.s and i was like yeah I'm like, what? Well, another reason to like her. Okay, so for a second year in a row, People Magazine. So, okay, right. 2016 was... um, The Rock. The Rock. Uh 2017 was Blake Shelton. And Twitter was like, (laughs) what the fuck? I remember being like, hmm. Twitter dragged them. Dragged. Hmm. Dragged. Is there anything about Blake Shelton that I find remotely attractive? Hmm. No, I don't. I'm thinking, like, nothing. No, he does mm-hmm. nothing for me. Zilch. He looks like he would have a pancake butt. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I I cannot say that I've. Uh, I I just I'm just saying gone that far <laughs> in my I just. I I find him like when I in the past when I watched The Voice, I just found him so annoying. He I just, is annoying. I find him annoying as a human. He's and then annoying. his whole divorce with Miranda Lambert seemed very. I thought I shady. Thought, yeah, thank you. And that's why I don't like him. Yeah. Okay. See, because I don't like. I just personally just don't like men who treat 
their when I say their women, I don't mean yeah. like a like a a a, a possessive, possessive thing. No, no, I mean like the people that the women that they're with like they're shit, yeah, yeah. and like don't respect them as equals. That's like not my thing. Okay. That whole thing sound seemed really shady, and it like, was shady. And then uh, what? But I it did give us by divorces. By the way, oh yeah, divorces will tell you a lot about people. Yeah. Divorces and breakups will tell you Ooh, a lot about people. I could tell you that. Um, and like. It brings out the big, bad, and ugly. Ugh. In a lot life. of people. In a lot of people. And it will, yeah, no, maturity and stuff. Oof. Oof. Human relationships are complicated. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, no, Blake Shelton does nothing for me. Wow. And then last year was Idris. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what can I say? Well, what can anyone say? It's like, just. Okay. <laughs> and this year. It is Chrissy Teigen's husband, John Legend. I love that you called him Chrissy Teigen's husband, John Legend. <laughs> Just Specifically. Saying. Well, <clears throat> I mean, and that's the important thing mm-hmm. about this yeah. is that is that um, many previous sexiest men alive, sure, they've been married and they've mm-hmm. been married men and they have this, which, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um married means nothing (laughs) to a lot of men so so there is that Mm -hmm. but um they have always been it's been this traditional idea of the man is the is the forefront of the unit Mm -hmm. and um what is different about john there are many things different about john legend you know but it is the fact that his wife is an equal partner Mm -hmm. and a visible equal partner yeah and that's their public image. It's like it's like Steph Curry and um, Aisha. Aisha. Mm-hmm. I I think sure Steph Curry is probably more famous, mm-hmm. but the way they move in public mm-hmm. is that yep. of a partnership. Yeah, I saw them on Family Celebrity Family Feud. Yeah, and you could tell that yeah nobody's taking backseat in that relationship. No. And that's important. I think that's a really um, salient observation. Right. So what does this mean about relationships going forward and the perception of healthy relationships or, you know, you know, hashtag Mm -hmm. relationship goals? Yeah. And I just want to say, too, is that you never, ever know what's going on in any relationship. Mm, No. Um, even if the public image is this. So mm-hmm. we're just going to take the public image and yeah. assume as what, yeah. at, that it's the private image. But I do, I just want to put that out mm-hmm. there because we don't know what their relationships are actually no, like. No, no, no. They have been very open. Like Chrissy Teigen and uh, John Legend are very open and at least online. It's seemingly very open online about their relationship and like even like how complicated and weird it was at first and then afterwards like figuring it out and like sorting things out and yeah but yeah no they they have this display of a very strong marital unit i like the way you framed it they present themselves as a unit and it's never um one of them is like the seen as like the major figure like they're just different they're very different personalities Mm -hmm. they present themselves in media very differently chrissy teigen is like twitter like Gold. goals like yeah. she just has she has managed to fascinate us with her twitter presence and her uh she was a model too and people often kind of want to like 
diminish her because yes, of that and i'm like i've noticed that a lot yeah and she's like oh you're yeah. just a model sit down and shut up I'm like yeah okay, like she so? does like, like like models don't read yeah she's also like uh she's written a book and like she's done a lot of things but it's also like why do you think less of her because she's a model the like, other thing too is even though she's accomplished x y and z yeah. martha stewart was a model too so the fuck what yeah. okay um you know the idea that you know a woman can be boiled down mm-hmm. to the same nothingness that is supposed to give her power is really interesting it, it is so yeah. i think having john and it's interesting because i think it happened in transition because idris elba was a uh, sexiest man alive and he was uh he was just transitioning into his relationship his current relationship so yeah. he got married this year and he was just starting to be public about that relationship right. and that was seen because i think in the past yeah no because he showed in 2018 mm-hmm. you're right because what are we doing in 2018 yeah didn't he go to um, Harry and Meghan's wedding? Yeah, he went with her. With her, with his yeah. wife, with yeah, his with now his wife, now wife, yeah, wow. right. And he has actually opened up about thinking that he would never marry again yeah. and never find love mm-hmm. again. Yeah. And then this person came into his life yeah. and blah 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 blah. So even Idris Alba, yeah. who is you know your quote unquote masculine yeah. male, meaning he's he's sexy he's good to look at he has a nice body he has this or that has really made space Mm -hmm. for himself to express that yeah but i think think that's really interesting so what does that say about where masculinity is going i think it's um with john legend winning the award this year like there's just this uh, almost a push to read like it's kind of materializing a redefinition of masculinity mm. because traditionally what we've seen as the sexiest man alive and like that's why sometimes like there's these like weird like freak outs is you have to be like six foot three and like have like so many muscles that i can't see past your face and like all these things but also muscles beyond that do it for you by the way uh, th- again right like everyone has their own thing <laughs> yeah. but beyond that is i think john legend the reason people are kind of like huh? is john legend is like a crooner and like a singer and like he's known for being tender and like in a lot of ways like but it's funny because think of like r&b right yeah. and how black women love that shit yeah you know so i'm like so to me it wasn't weird at no, all i don't think it was weird you i know? think it was actually pretty interesting i think it was an interesting choice yeah but it just goes to show like when you know when we like mm-hmm. i remember back in the you had a voice man oh yeah and you were a crooner and you were getting Mm-hmm. all the yeah. ladies you know and what it's I mean? still the case i think yeah i think if you can sing yeah. like yeah. that immediately turns people on yeah like, and you're it's just, just like, a thing it's like okay <laughs> yeah. i i can say especially that that cr- that that sexy crooner yeah. yet tender yeah as yeah, long yeah, as yeah. if it's smooth it's smooth yeah and if you got game on top of being yeah. smooth yeah then my god but i think the good thing too is that he you know his his he has he, he's not afraid to show his devotion mm-hmm. and i think that there needs to be okay let me back up a little bit yeah there's a lot of men in the gen x generation mm-hmm. who because i think that's the generation when women started really saying you know what no <laughs> no this, this ain't right 
<laughs> try it again chief <laughs> you know and 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 all of that and um and i feel like there are just a lot of bitter men out there yeah. of that generation mm-hmm. who didn't get it and yeah. don't understand that the idea of masculinity mm-hmm. is changing and they don't quite fit anymore yeah and i feel like that's sort of part of the backlash oh yeah is that they don't fit Mm-hmm. So this idea of the who who you know this this Tarzan and Jane idea yeah you know is is it, first of all it's so passe it doesn't fly anymore it doesn't fly anymore we know better so we should do better yeah and so what I find is that you have these men who are like and who are who are just like confused and then angry that mm-hmm. they don't have that entitlement to a woman of a mm-hmm. certain caliber however mm. and i i'm using very heavy air quotes <laughs> around caliber yeah and um you know the barbie who would just shut up and cook you dinner yeah. and that was it and women were like no bitch well for a long time i think chrissy Teigen and uh john legend's relationship i think when they first were public people were like huh like what why I didn't know much about Chrissy Teigen, so I was just like, okay. <laughs> but it was, it, but it was more like again when we're looking at masculinity, people are like, oh, like how did he pull a girl like her? And it was like, what? again, I go back to the crooner thing where I'm just like, well, of course he did, of course. <laughs> but it, he's also he, he just like, sang a song. No, but <laughs> no, I also I'm, don't I'm kidding, want to take away from the fact that John Legend is an attractive ass guy. You know what? He is the new attractiveness in a man, I feel. Yeah. Like for some of us. So first of all, he's so pro-black. Oh, yeah. Which I find Mm -hmm. just like that just panty drop. Okay. (laughs) And (laughs) I talked about Malcolm X. Yeah. I talked about that. Um, He stands up for what he believes in. Mm -hmm. So you don't have... You know, the Ron McLeans of the world with no fucking, I don't know what, mm. like the weakest people are honestly sometimes the loudest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number two. So he stands up for what he believes in. Yeah. And he will say it and, you know, no fucks given. Yeah. So that's attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's okay with having emotions. Yeah. Like he doesn't run away from them mm-hmm. and he doesn't have this air of insecurity that I find no. masculinity brings. That's the thing. He seems like a, th- both of them are so secure in who they are. Well, like of course, like they have moments and they're very open about those moments, but they seem so secure in who they are. And but how I they think w- it's because they're honest about it. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't think that security comes without honesty. Of course not. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and, when I say honest, like just be real mm-hmm. about about you know, <laughs> nobody has this shit figured out. No, I'm just saying None we're all fucked true. up in some way. Yeah, but we're all fucked up for a reason, mm-hmm. and it's so we can actually extend a certain courtesy, grace, and humility to others. Mm-hmm. At least that's the way I see it. Yeah, and so I mean, um, I think the John Legend choice was not that surprising to me. I don't think it was surprising. I think it was... But I think it was surprising to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this was an obvious switch from that masculinity. Yeah. It feels like there's a de- different oh, paradigm shift, but it's not a paradigm. Like, if we're going to do this, like, they're choosing to go a different route. Yeah. Like, it don't, like when they chose Blake Shelton. <laughs> I think they were trying to do the same thing. They were, but yeah. it just backfired on them and it was one of those things where it's like 
but why? Yeah. Um, and I think John Legend has a lot more substance and is a lot yes. more interesting as yes. a person to kind of look at and to consider and to write about and to have a conversation about than Blake Shelton. Yes. I just, I think that's why I think it's more, to me, it's more like, oh yeah, I can see this. I, I understand and I see why they came to this. He just has so much going for him. He's an interesting guy. Yeah. He has an interesting life and I think it's worth highlighting. Well, the Grio did th- five reasons why, you know, why they think this was a great yeah a great choice he's insanely talented so he's pulled off what they call an egot emmy grammy emmy grammy oscar tony like only 15 people have pulled this off okay Mm -hmm. i do i do kind of take him for granted though oh 100 percent. i I do so for granted (laughs) i do i'm like of course of course of course of course of course you know Mm -hmm. he's in on the joke so he 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 laughs at himself all the time and it's so great that his wife and him have good banter like that's what i want in my me too like if (laughs) if you're out there listening and trying to get in my pants good banter that's it that's what i need Good banter, some blackness, even if you're, wow. <laughs> Are, is this turning into a call-in if you'd like a date with uh, no, no, no. or Byron? No, no, no. <laughs> I, no, I was, I was going to define some blackness because I was like, okay, that makes it seem like it's only black guys. And what I'm saying is like, just be open to learning that, you know, the mm-hmm. world is not necessarily like you see it mm-hmm. and that other people's experiences are valid yeah and you know stop being that guy yeah (laughs) don't be that guy you know that you know (laughs) copies off you or something anyway (laughs) okay let's list more reasons why he's amazing pharrell i okay so pharrell Mm -hmm. pharrell i'm gonna switch to pharrell because (laughs) G, so the 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 whole idea of this quote unquote new masculinity yeah that um Fruel Williams who covered GQ's magazine mm-hmm. hit their new masculinity magazine issue last month okay. in a puffer gown and Pharrell has always has always skated that line yeah i feel like yeah yeah so it wasn't it wasn't surprising no not at all i i think there's also this I think this happened a couple years ago again and then I think it's coming back where they would be like oh if someone is wearing uh, a dress oh my god they've defied masculinity and then we had Billy Porter come on through oh, Billy Porter hello oh, Billy Porter is a gift to us all yes a gift Billy Porter have you watched Pose it's on my list oh. I'm sorry I have so many like you I'm will sorry. love okay Electra, but let's, let's okay, not okay. dive I feel like okay. I'm, I'm, I'm getting I love sidetracked. The name. Um, Electra's probably a <coughs> Probably, actually. She probably is. Yeah. 100%. I, Shout out to the Scorpios out there, including Lisa Bonet, who just turned 50. My mom is a Scorpio, so I get it. I fucks with it. Yeah. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So I don't. Uh, yes i think pharrell being in that gown actually i need that puffer jacket for ottawa winters so i can look Yo. good and 
traverse Yo, the tundra that we live can in. you imagine? That would be awesome. But I also feel like Ottawa people would freak out. <laughs> I wore a hat once that was a little, like, it wasn't even that risky. It was just a hat and it was raining. And I, instead of wearing, like, a big rain jacket, I wore a hat. People were so confused. Don't let Ottawa people's confusion. I know. Because these are the least exposed people, <laughs> honestly. It wasn't even that risky of a fashion I know. choice. Listen, I remember <laughs> wearing a fedora once in Ottawa and people were looking at me funny. <laughs> Seriously. Because that's how backwards like, they are. A thing. Live. Yeah. But yeah, for all Williams wearing a dress should not be equated to him like breaking boundaries and masculinity. It should be more like, okay, what does he do beyond that? And I want him to be like, for all Williams, for the longest time has talked about skincare for men yeah very honest about how much he how much time he takes to take care of his skin is this on instagram because i feel like oh by the way i i'm always looking for really cool instagram mm-hmm. accounts um and yeah i need one no it wasn't on instagram i think it was in an interview he was talking about uh, skincare skincare really? and like he's always been very like because he has amazing skin and he doesn't age he- but it's because he takes care of it and like that's been a really big thing that he's been honest about and i think that's cool um but yeah i think pharrell william having i think that to me is more of a signal of changing masculinity and it's sad that we think someone taking care of themselves as a man is considered as like a it's considered feminine it's not you literally wash your face and exfoliate that's the least you can do take care of your biggest organ your Thank skin. you. Like, it's not. But it is. This is why men die without us, by the way. <laughs> but they also kill us, and that's so bad. Uh, um, oh, that's the other thing John Legend said. Yeah. Apparently, in an interview, he. Thank you for reminding mm-hmm. me. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. So, John Legend is also an activist. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100% activist. And in an era where people are running away from that word, mm-hmm. Good on John Legend. Um, he was in Surviving R. Kelly. That's that's the other thing. Okay, he was really good in Surviving R. Kelly. So I didn't watch Surviving R. Kelly because you know oh, Black Pain. I did. Um, but he uh, he said in an interview he talked about violence against women mm-hmm. in an interview, an intimate partner. Oh, here we go. In a. This is from an interview in The Cut from 2017. Mm -hmm. And the question was, what do you think is the biggest problem that results from toxic masculinity? Mm -hmm. He says it manifests itself in a lot of ways. Violence against women is a huge issue. We see that a lot. He said, and then he he said, um, you also have to, you also see that people who have violence against women issues have other issues mm-hmm. where they're acting out in society and violence against women is a telltale sign it's going to happen. Yeah. Like the guy that killed the young woman, Heather Hare, in mm-hmm. Charlottesville, mm-hmm. he had an issue with domestic violence. A lot of these bigger crimes start at home. Hello. Okay. You know. How many times? Okay, first of all, if you've been listening to Bad and Bitchy, or you've been on our, you know, you've interacted us with us on social media, we always say the violence against women is and and like white supremacist violence are very much intertwined, intric- intric- intricate, intricately. Wow, intricately, intricately linked. Um, you yeah, know, uh, John Legend has consistently shown up 
in the he right shows place. up and he's courageous and i think people don't give him enough credit like for surviving r kelly he's one of the few big names that came out to that yeah a lot of people who could have didn't or declined yeah. to participate yeah. at least he was like oh no film me Mm-hmm. And then, like, what he said in the documentary, he didn't take up too much space, but the space he took was fair, and he was very honest and direct, and was like, no, this is unacceptable. That's what makes him sexy, everybody. Oh, yeah. Consistently showing up against, uh, sh- saying the truth about... Uh, A what's man consistently face? showing up? Wow. <laughs> Give me that all the time. Yeah. Uh, but, like, he's been very honest about Kanye, and being like, listen, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He's, he's like no like i cannot sit here and just condone your behavior that's not okay that's awesome so i don't know i think john legend is good he's good in my books all right so uh moving on uh u.s billionaires are freaking the fuck out (laughs) in case warren or bernie win the presidency even if they get the nomination for the democratic party well i don't know where these billionaires think they're going to get through like i saw that pete Buttigieg is now number one in the iowa really he's yeah one in the iowa caucus no he's currently the in first place highest polling yeah (sighs) yeah the management consultant right who by the way who lied about getting the endorsement of a bunch of black people okay and the black people were like no no no. (laughs) so good luck with that south (laughs) because as usual black people have to save the democrats from their bad fucking decisions Uh, naturally this is ridiculous okay so but back to the billionaires as Buttigieg Mm -hmm. is wont to be i'm sure at a conference now Uh at a conference bill gates right Mm-hmm. said that um, basically Ms. Warren or Bernie uh, a presidency by them would stifle business innovation blah 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 mm-hmm. um, the the, can I, the usual I, I, I just have to break here yeah you know what's stifling innovation fucking monopolies <laughs> tell them okay there's okay innovation happens in a competitive landscape and Mm -hmm. that landscape is anything but competitive there are four basic tech companies gobbling everything up where's this innovation (laughs) and what about you know what else is stifling innovation Mm -hmm. non-compete yeah so the people who should be starting new companies and driving ideas can't because these big motherfuckers are ha- are are handing out non-compete clauses like candy. Yeah. And that's the shit nobody talks about. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about the market. People don't realize that in order for a market to thrive, you have to have competitive forces or else it's a market failure. Mm-hmm. So basically what we're in is a perpetual market failure. Okay, next. Okay. <laughs> I had to get that off my chest because like people are dumb. Okay. And they don't critically think. Well, it's also competing with the narrative that we keep being told like, oh no, don't make big sweeping changes because things will change. And then the people who have monopolies will no longer have those monopolies. That's a good thing. 
exactly. And this whole idea of let's promote, and Canada does the same thing. Let's promote Canadian business. No, you want to promote Canadian global monopolies. That's what you want to promote. Mm -hmm. Because if you really wanted to promote Canadian business, you would really help the small and medium-sized businesses. Exactly, but that's not. But no. Oh, and they'll make you. Okay, so now. Now I want to roll. Go for it. Um, and the thing about it is they will support people getting into business, mm-hmm. but not grow their business. Mm-hmm. That's what I, anyway. So back to this. Ms. So Elizabeth Warren, a Democratic front runner in the 2020 race, has offered to meet Mr. Gates in response. Let's also remember Bill Gates is a very good friend of Jeffrey Epstein was. Yeah, he's oh yeah, true. He's involved in that whole thing. Yeah, right? I shouldn't say very good friend, but he he was friendly. involved in the in the whole. Yeah, so true. That's, that's I forgot a, about that oh, for a second. I don't fucking forget about. There this are too shit. many names to keep track I'm of. Telling you, well, so I will drop another name, Jamie Demon, <laughs> who should just honestly just re. <laughs> he should just. <laughs> He should change his name to Demon, <laughs> as in Demon. Um, For the people, who is Jamie Demon? Okay, he's the head of banking at J.P. Morgan. So this is a guy who has helped basically to screw up the economy such that people coming out, millennials coming out of school didn't have jobs. So he was part of the problem in terms of the housing crisis and mm-hmm. the financial crisis of 08 and 09. He took a lot of money mm-hmm. from the federal government, the TARP money, and then re- now is reinventing himself as some like, he's re- the man is trash. He's rebranding himself as some like um, uh, reformer, financial reformer, as though everybody forgot. I guess everybody did forget. Because I'm saying it now. So Jamie Demon, the devil, go on. Oh, I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the part that's been weird watching this story develop is um, we're finally having a conversation. Well, finally, we're starting to have a conversation in some way, shape or form, a structured conversation around the ethics of billionaires and why do we have billionaires and why is there such a concentration well, of we're wealth? Ta- well, we're talking about ethics because of that concentration of wealth. Yeah. I also want to say, just and yeah, you yeah, can no, have yeah. the floor. Um, wealth and income inequality is really, really bad for a society. Societies buckle under and fall apart under that. I will say, I will point to, I think la- I pointed to... Well, the French Revolution, mm-hmm. um, the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are two big ones. Uh, I, I feel like the Russians, too. Yeah. With all that's, that, yeah. that's the reason the Bolsheviks came came about. Yeah. The, there you go. The Prussian Russian, Empire. The Prussian Empire. Thank you. Oh, yes, it was Prussia. <laughs> <laughs> History nerds over here. Yes, Prussia. Us. But Prussia did give us universal health care, so kind you of. You win some, you lose some. Kind of, yeah, so, you know. And mm-hmm. public education. I believe that was Prussia. I believe was that was that Bis- Bismarck, wasn't it? Anyway, it's I'm possible. sure somebody will correct us, yeah. so I'm just saying. Wait. We're nerding out right here, right now. Oh, my God. 
Okay. I'm, I'm tired. I'm, you can tell I'm tired because I'm trying to remember stuff that I should know. <laughs> and like, I'm not. Okay. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. So someone gave, if someone can tell us who is at the source of uh, educational, what, what public education, public education, like paid for by taxes, public education. I actually wonder. I know. I know who invented like school systems. Well, maybe that was what it was. No, because no, that. No, no, no. It can't be that. I don't know. Didn't someone tell us. Please. Anyway, there you go. We'll do the research. Um. So, yeah. Uh. Okay, so under um, Elizabeth Warren's original mm-hmm. plan, yeah. households with a net worth of between fifty million and one billion will be charged a two percent wealth tax every year. Mm-hmm. This would rise to three percent with any for any households with a net worth over a billion dollars. This sounds like a head tax, actually. Mm-hmm. Some of America's richest people are urging U.S. presidential candidates to back a wealth tax on the super rich to improve inequality and climate change and wrote an open letter cementing this position. Yeah. Quote, a wealth tax could help address the climate crisis, improve the economy, improve health comes, outcomes, fairly create opportunity and strengthen our democratic freedoms. Instituting a wealth tax is in the interest of our republic. Oh, the market doesn't solve everything? <laughs> oh! Who would think? It's actually really interesting that this open letter came out because in some ways we've been hearing a lot about the billionaires who are opposed to these measures and they've had a really big platform and we've had a lot of clips played. Uh, but the people, the well, people, billionaires who are supportive of increasing taxes... Um, you have those that are uh, the Bill Gates of the world who is like, you can increase my taxes, but only up to a certain level. Mm-hmm. Because if you tax me more than I make, then it's not fair. Mm-hmm. Even though, even after taxes, you're still a multi-billionaire. That's because like, the actual tax rate and the effective rate are two different things. Exactly. So the tax rate that you is a tax bracket that you belong mm-hmm. in. But the effective rate is the actual taxes you pay after all your deductions. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, those motherfuckers own a lot of capital. Yeah. So they don't pay tax or mm-hmm. they don't pay much tax no. on their capital investments. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge part of how they build their wealth yeah. is because the Clintons, mm-hmm. i.e. Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. decided to, oh, we're going to tax, we're going to tax labor and capital separately. Well, what do you think is going to happen? People get laid off because the companies can make more money in investing in capital than they can in labor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And th- those are things we're not talking about yet. Exactly. But Elizabeth Warren has a plan for it. She does. Um, You know what? Elizabeth Warren and her making planning and policy sexy. (laughs) I'm really here for it. I actually really appreciate it because it's brought it back to. She's making critical thinking sexy. Yeah, no. But it's also. Okay. So what I I was saying. So there's a third category of billionaires, which is George Soros. So all the people who signed this letter who are in a way signing on to having a more. a better taxation system for the richer folks in society but they're not being very loud about it like yes there's this open letter but if you look at the press for the past 10 days what's been running in the press what's been trending on twitter what's been taking up a lot of space it's bill gates and his comments and it but that's because the press will get a lot of earned media Mm -hmm. from 
that than they would the open letter. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. But it's also, I think what was surprising to me was to see people who are not billionaires. They're not even millionaires. They're not wealthy by any margin who are like caping for these folks. They're like, oh, no, but you can't tax billionaires because billionaire butt kissers. But it's like you barely make minimum wage. How are you not seeing that this is in your best interest? Those people will always amaze me. Um, because they drank the Kool-Aid. But the Kool-Aid has been poured down people's throats for like 40 years. So you but can't it, really... They, they, it's like you still hold on to hope that you will become a billionaire one day because you will make a discovery one day and you will have all this money. No, actually, the best way to be wealthy is generational wealth, you fool. Yeah. Like... They're very much exceptions. The people that you're looking to, to be like, oh my God, like, yes, inspiration. It's generational wealth a lot of times. And it's people who have gone there by breaking a lot of rules that you probably won't be allowed to because of your status. Yeah, exactly. As whether it's class. Rules are for commoners. Whether it's race, whether it's gender. Like there are a lot of things that barriers that you're going to face that they're not going to. But that's driving this whole anti-billionaire type fervor mm-hmm. is that they're like people are like wait a minute especially after the recovery yeah. of the 2008 2000 or 2007 mm-hmm. financial crisis 2008 uh i think what people saw coming out of that is that the billionaires the 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 people who got them into this into this place yeah and this is where i think obama failed Mm -hmm. is that he did not take when you had occupy wall street he should have taken that as a fucking clue Mm -hmm. and organized those people yeah like the republican party did with the tea party yeah but no all he did was like yeah i understand where you're coming from and actually did nothing yeah after obama got into power Mm -hmm. he actually really didn't do much in mm. terms of the grassroots who put yeah. him there. No, and I think it was visible in his 2012 election. Like, yes, he got reelected and all, but he had lost touch in a way. Um, yeah. And that was unfortunate. But I think the vilification of this whole... I think Elizabeth Warren has dealt really well with this whole, like, um, the almost, like, billionaire backlash that she's received. You know what would be awesome? Mm-hmm. A Warren Castro ticket. That would be really good. That would be amazing. That would be a dreamy, Warren Castro ticket. I'm here for a Warren Castro ticket. Castro's. I honestly don't understand why we're not talking more about Castro. I I understand and I know why, but it's like it's frustrating because did he's you see he awesome? He's he, amazing. He's really good too. He put out um a plan for uh people with disability in America. Really? Yeah. This well, week. he's been putting out so many plans because he had a plan for policing mm-hmm. he had a plan for housing yeah plan for immigration mm-hmm. a plan for incarceration i think mm-hmm. and i'm just like dude yeah no. like just these thinkers like i'm jealous i'm really jealous of america right now because they have the spaces to think about these things right yeah they're creating spaces to think about these things and to have conversations about transformational change 
bam not just like change because we're saying it's changed but in the background it's staying the same yeah it's like actual transforming transforming systems yes in an impactful and long-term way sing it sister that's that's what i wish we were like as a exercise we were doing here and i think it's a global exercise that needs to happen because we're just we're like we're in a funk and it's just not working it's not working and you know your kids are doing better than you your kids aren't going to do better than you did which is to be honest which is honestly the way i think about about that being the benchmark for success i'm like well that's a terrible benchmark anyway because that what you're talking about is unfettered growth and that's not possible it's not realistic it's anyway so i will say this andrew ross sorkin who writes who's basically everywhere um anything financial Mm -hmm. uh he's a writer for the new york times i think he's one of the producers on billionaire oh (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) that guy he uh you know written a few books da 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 da. uh he has a piece in the new york times called how shareholder democracy failed the people Mm -hmm. um and it's a shareholder democracy seemed like a good idea at the time what we got was shareholder supremacy okay so basically what they're talking about is how a bunch of companies got together including those tech companies Mm -hmm. and basically are rewriting so basically what the um business roundtable is saying is that look shareholder value is no longer everything and we have to think about our our consumers Mm -hmm. we have a, a fiduciary responsibility our creditors, our consumers, the environment, yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah I know. It seems so. To I me, know, like, I know. That's self evident, but I understand that it is. Yeah, yeah because we've everyone. been because we've been under. Last week, I talked about um, the Chicago Boys and Milton Friedman. Mm-hmm. The 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 shadow, the long shadow of Milton Friedman, mm-hmm. is results in things like shareholder supremacy yeah well yeah and like uh there's this fascinating the daily i i was talking to you about this earlier Mm. the daily did a really good um episode on chile and like the uh, the reasons behind and deconstructing a little bit the idea of what's going on in chile Mm -hmm. and they talk about inequality a lot yeah and one of the the facts that was really like i was so surprised like First of all, qualifying for a pension, you have to work 20 years. Wow. And not everyone qualifies. Wow. But if you do, a lot of people make get less than minimum wage on their pension. Wow. And that's less than $150 a month. In Chile, uh, that's not a livable wage. Yeah, like, yeah. you cannot live. Right. So there's a lot of um, old age poverty that they're noticing and then like of course like the tax like taxation is really messed up and all that stuff but yeah your boys were featured yeah in that not my boys (laughs) (laughs) i was like you don't don't i was like i was like no Mm. this is not my kind of economics (laughs) man like i was just saying that Keynes wasn't all wrong and the reason the reason we abandoned Keynes is because Mm. of hyperinflation and and unemployment which was really caused by the oil crisis yeah so like there was a specific crisis Mm -hmm. that caused it yeah yet we 
we reinvented and restructured our entire economy around that. Mm-hmm. And that to me, first of all, was silly. Mm-hmm. And second of all, it just goes to show how powerful conservative type thinking is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's an aside. Um, you, we all know where Sanders lie. Sanders said, I don't think the billionaire should exist. Citing the quote, immoral level of income, wealth, and wealth inequality, unquote, that has only deepened under the Trump administration. So, I think it's, I know a lot of people take that as an incendiary statement, but I don't think it is. Like, if you are a billionaire, you have, what do you even do with that? I don't think. I'm less about the money and more about the power that comes with it. It's not even just that. I think it's fair to say that you don't get to be a billionaire without having, at least in business dealings. Without rolling over people? Yeah. And, like, and sacrificing them for your good? There's definitely like ethical ramifications yeah. to being a billionaire that we just aren't talking about. Like, Well, thank you. That's a very good part. Like you can't. You can't just like be like, oh, like, yeah, I made a billion dollars. But at what cost? Like there's a bigger cost than like just like I worked hard and pulled myself by the bootstraps. Well, that's the bullshit they've been selling us. And that's just bullshit. Like there are labor laws that have been trampled on. There's like you've exploited some people. If you're like there's a little exploitation in your background. And if you're not going to recognize it, then like, yeah, but people are people are trying to pretend that. These bill- see, see, and this is the glorification of the CEO needs to fucking stop, yeah. okay? Because these people are literally trash. <laughs> trash that does not care about the other person. Mm-hmm. If you, like, I don't understand. If you are, if, if that's okay with you, right, mm-hmm. to to be to trample all over people's rights and human rights and to exploit people on your way to the top then no wonder you're a fucking psychopath no wonder if that's what it takes to make it to the top then no wonder when we glorify these people we wonder why our workplaces are going to shit why management is shit because they trample all over people because this is who we have Mm -hmm. and we hold up as excellence and i'm tired about hearing all of these fucking... We don't need sycophants when we have business school graduates, okay? Because they're the worst. You want to talk no critical thinking? Wow. Holy shit. It's like a cult in there. I remember Queens. I remember Queens business. I was in Queen. I was in economics at Queens, so we had, like, business classes. Let them do economics. No. Okay? They cried to their mummies. Like, it was just... Because it was too hard. Yeah. And so... And the other thing, too, is so naturally we felt morally superior. Oh, um, <laughs> but I, the other thing, too, is it seriously is like a cult. It they, is. they literally teach you that they literally throw human rights under the bus. These business schools are the worst. OK. Yeah. And they don't have anything to do with ethics. They don't encourage critical thinking. Mm-hmm. And you wonder why we get the Jamie Demons of uh, plus they all come from rich families anyway so they have no morality whatsoever (laughs) like like, it's a self-perpetuating cycle it is okay so I for like I 
have a minor in business management. So I had to take business. I started as an econ student and then didn't like the way uh, the school was teaching me econ. So I had to switch and whatever. Long story short, but I did go and I remember and this was I started my business minor in my third year. So I had been in university for two years already. And going into my first business class, I was like, what the fuck? It's a cult. They are like, oh, no, you're not a student of the school. You're the student of the business school. Yeah. Like, it's a whole thing. They just, like, are like, no, you need to do this. You need to dress this way. You need to do this, this, this. This is what makes you successful. This is not. It's And you know where they congregate? LinkedIn. (laughs) Oh, I know. Which is why I don't go on LinkedIn. Oh, I need to be better at LinkedIn because I'm poor, young, and need work. That's what Twitter's for. (laughs) No one's going to hire me off. I've never been hired off Twitter. I feel like you would, but, like, I haven't. I'm not cool enough yet. It's fine. I'll get there. Um, But, like, it's... I have. (laughs) (laughs) Erica, like... I'm here. Sorry. I like Twitter's my jam. I love. I need to be better at that. I'm. I think I just like. I get to a point where I'm like breaking point of like I have too much information and I need yeah. to take several steps back. Yeah. Uh, but I need to be better at like just sharing that frustration. Yeah. So um, yeah, your business. Yeah. So like, it is a cult. Like it. it, it, it it's. And I, my favorite, uh, some of my favorite classes in universities were around ethics and I have like, that's a thing I like, but I don't remember being, having a mandatory ethics class in business. Nope. It which does I not feel exist. exist. Yet. Mm-hmm. So, um. Do you want to talk about Obama? Oh, fucking hell. So our, Erica's favorite person. Why is this the third <laughs> week in a row? Why? Just popped up this t- this week again because he knew we were going to be here. And um, that, you know, Erica can't go a week without talking about him. Or him doing a week without doing something that's going to set her off. <laughs> okay, so Obama again, okay, um you know, decided to put it as two cents and was basically like, what did he say? He said he warned the field of presidential hopefuls not to veer too far left. And he went on to say things like, um, people want incremental change. They don't want to change the whole system. And which I find funny Given, I just, I, I, you know, Obama's like short attention or short memory is Mm -hmm. just something. Okay. It's selective. It is. Number one. Number, and then he basically, he basically chastised the Democrats for, for, for leaning too far left. And, you know, they're basically in, um, in danger of alienating people because they're too far left and you know we need more incremental change. you know the centrist version of everything god he's such a centrist and and you know like obama has turned from yes we can si se puede to no we can't <laughs> uh i think the alienating voters rhetoric is just it's not it's it's not based in fact no, because we just saw Virginia, basically, Virginia, for fucking Virginia, okay, of 
all places. And I know the Fairfax is different. I get it. North Virginia is not like West Virginia. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I know. West Virginia yeah. is coal mining. Virginia is like, well, it's Virginia. It's a mix, right? I get it. But this used to be a Republican stronghold, mm-hmm. Virginia, especially yeah. statewide. Yeah. Up and down the ticket, Democrats. Mm-hmm. And not just any Democrats, fucking socialists, mm-hmm. okay? Those same people that are being told there is no place for them. Because yeah. that's what Obama is saying. There is no place for you except to support the centrist when mm-hmm. we come about. Fuck you. You know, this is the third time I'm saying fuck <laughs> you to Obama. And, and, and... The thing about it is people are like, but you forget that it's the grassroots that put you in power. Yeah. I think it's also important to. So let's let's just remind people Mm -hmm. that the establishment, the centrist Democrats were all about Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. And really, it's the base that said, you know what? No. We want something different. Yeah. We want this guy. Mm-hmm. And the grassroots organizing that he did from being a community organizer, and I'm sorry, being a community organizer is a little bit left of center, is it not? <laughs> so what the fuck? How is he remaking his entire identity? Like, oh God. <laughs> It's extremely frustrating. I get it. Absolutely. And I'm not the only one. I no. just want to say. There are a lot of You look on us. Twitter and it's gaining gaining spe- like momentum where it's kind of like, shit, sit down and shut the fuck up. The only time he weighs in is to chastise, of course, us. Mm-hmm. And it's... So I don't know if you saw this, but... Let him take up a fight with Donald Trump and see where that gets him. He because he won't. He won't. I'm just wondering if he's scared of Trump. I don't know. I think he's he feels like he's above it. Then why is he? Oh, so that's why he can lecture the rest of us. He's he's being paternalistic, which is a little condescending and weird Um, and colonialist. Yeah. In a lot of ways. He is an American former president. Like he's he was raised in in the U.S. and stuff. I think going back to the alienating voters i think we know that that's an outdated way of thinking specifically like just look at the tea party the tea party when it first started everyone was like oh this is like a fringe thing it doesn't really matter and they took over the republican party and transformed it that's why wexit is Mm -hmm. something that people should pay attention to and not just slough off as nothing it is our tea party and if you don't think that that is the conservative party right now you are i don't know what you're drinking mistaken yeah i i just i that's what it is mark my words okay but it's also like um the voter the like uh base voter that they're looking at is not the actual base voter like they're thinking like coal miners and stuff like but they're not the people who are going to decide the election no you know who's going to decide that you know who mm-hmm. the republicans are losing on mm-hmm. mass suburban women yeah they're fucking going to decide the election that and depends on how black people decide to which way to decide to go mm-hmm. like women I, w- I wish that people would stop putting up these men because literally it's women who decide elections. Yeah. I bet you. I bet you. It was women who decided the last election. Yeah. Because a 53% of Hillary Wad- Rodham Clinton's sisters didn't vote for Trump, she would be in power. But black women voted for her. That's the other thing. It's black people who mm-hmm. saved the Democratic Party from themselves. So for Obama to lecture us all the time, because he does lecture us 
all the yeah. fucking time. It's very paternalistic. It's weird. I, I, I'm, cu- I'm over it. I'm yeah, so absolutely. done. But it's also like there are more yoga instructors in America than there are coal miners. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Statistics, like numbers. Like, so then why are we paying so much attention to their shit? I don't know. I think someone should guess, shift. Guess what happened to a yoga class the other day? <laughs> gender-based violence. Yeah. And remember that Florida yeah, story yeah, last I saw that. year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was gender-based violence. Mm-hmm. That's more important. Yeah. But no. No. We're spo- Again, we're supposed to spend our whole lives placating white men. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Okay, I'm done. But it just shows that there's a real there's a big gap between the leadership of the Democratic Party or some pieces of the leadership or what we see as like the moral center of the Democratic Party versus the actual people who they're trying to speak to. All I'm saying is good luck with that because they're going to have to hit the South in that Super Tuesday. And that's when Pete Buttigieg. Burp, done. Oh, yeah. Because there are a lot of delegates in that super delegate. And Georgia right now, I don't know if you've been following this. They've been like really, they've been doing a lot of work for. Uh, you mean vo- Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. Yeah, exactly. Has Stacey been doing a Abrams. lot of work, work. to get Abrams, out the vote in yeah. Georgia. Stacey Abrams is doing God's work. That she woman is doing is God's really, work. Like, she is super impressive. And it really annoys me when I speak to people who know a little bit about American politics or who are interested by American politics and d- they dismiss her. Yeah, because she lost uh, an election. She didn't lose. That election was stolen. Well, fair. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember because we talked about this yeah. on the podcast and it was basically, yeah, yeah, that was a stolen that was, election. That election and was it's stolen. amazing it was to me that and nobody talks about how that election was stolen. If that had happened in a third world country, yeah, America would have been clamoring that they need to recount the votes and dismiss that person. That didn't even happen in Bolivia, and look what happened. Okay, facts um, were shared. Mm-hmm. Swiftly okay. moving on. Swiftly moving on to rant and receipts. <laughs> Welcome back to Rant and Receipts, where we each bring a story for and rant about it and then initiate a pylon, <laughs> basically. We're so going to tell start, you Barbara. what bothered us this week and you're just going to listen. So this week there was a decision made in South Africa on a court case. And the story actually starts a couple months ago. So in August uh, 2019 the year of 2019 that's our year sorry the I'm year tired. of our lord i know i was gonna say that but i was like i've never said that out loud in my life it's more things i've heard but um so in august 2019 in south africa yeah. a student uh named uyinene muretwanya i'm sure i made i did not say that right but that's her name like, <laughs> you said it better than any of us <laughs> <laughs> um so she was sexually assaulted and killed on her university campus at the post office at her university campus um, rape and murder is yeah. basically oh jeez um and she this incident well i don't want to call it an incident but her passing caused a really big the crime the crime yeah it was because it was a crime it cr- caused a really big uproar in south africa because it was um and 
it was a specific case that people rallied around because it's such a common occurrence. Uh, femicides in South Africa and sexual assaults in South Africa are a really big deal and something that the country has had a difficult time coming to terms with and um, generally uh, women go missing. So she was missing for a really long time and then they figured out what happened to her. Uh, but women go missing really often. Sexual assault is uh, happens all the time. Uh, the, their rate, I think, is five times higher than the global average which is extremely like high. It's um apparently from what I've read mm-hmm. it is one of the countries with the highest femicide rates as well, in the yeah. world. Yeah. And this and this cuts through class, it mm-hmm. cuts through race. Absolutely. I mean the Oscar Pretoria yeah, is another is is a huge was a huge case mm-hmm. that really did expose the rate of femicide and violence against mm-hmm. women is quite normal. It's, yeah. it's normalized. It's normalized. There. And it's think uh, of um, what's her name? Um, Charlize Theron. Yeah. Charlize like, Theron. Yeah. Her mother killed, shot and killed her, her dad, yeah. her, her dad in front of her. Mm-hmm. And her dad was very abusive, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah. So she's talked very openly about she's it. She's talked very, she's honestly, she's been like, to me, that's one of the bravest things you can do. So mm-hmm. like, I just respect her in that way. Anyway, mm-hmm. carry on. Just some stats. Like in the past year, 2,700 women have been murdered by men in South Africa. Excuse me, what? 2,700 women. Holy shit. And that's an average and just like that's an average. And that's um, murders that have been reported, investigated, and found someone who has been found to be responsible of the murder. So in other words, there's a whole bunch of sort of unfounded. Yeah. um, To use Robin Dewey. So it's five times higher than the global average when it comes to femicide and in addition to that there's at least and this is an average at least 100 rapes reported daily in south africa shut the fuck up yeah yeah no it's a it's a it's a it's an epidemic like there's an urgency when it comes to uh gender-based violence in south africa it's been something that's been talked about for a very long time yeah yeah Um, well isn't that the place where jacob zuma mm -hmm. um (laughs) basically okay I'm not sure that he raped the girl, a, a, a woman, a girl. She was a girl. Yeah, it was an underage. Yeah, so yeah, girl. it was like, rape. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, and something about they, they, Jacob, Jacob Zuma was the president of South Africa yeah, for a long time. For a long time in the two th- 2010s or 2000s, 2010s. Uh, yeah, mid 2000s, I think, to the 2010s, like ish. There, Ish-ish. he was like after Thabo Mbeki. Or, yeah, or, or he was. He was. The thing with Jacob Zuma is he was known for being like flamboyant and like really out there and like very outspoken, but he was also one of the most corrupt president south africa has ever had mm-hmm. and was finally taken down by a big corruption scandal right. but he was also terrible to women yes <laughs> like yes absolutely horrid yeah. to women yeah but yeah. that wasn't the reason he was not he was taken it out never power. is uh but south africa has this has had this ongoing issue when it comes to gender-based violence specifically uh murders and um the story of uh Muritenya on her campus so she was on her own campus, her university campus, went to pick up a package at the post office and was 
and that interaction led to her dying. Uh, so the story kind of shot into shot got a lot more attention after Meghan Markle when the Duchess of Sussex went to South Africa in oh, September oh, oh. and tied a ribbon around her memori- memorial at during her visit to Cape Town. Okay, now you got my attention. Oh yeah, so it's was that in their their tour thing, their yeah, tour. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? So at one point... So that's why it got international yeah, recognition. That's why it got international acclaim. So in like other words... Attention, yeah. Megan is using her platform for something. I know. Go I, figure. I genuinely was like, thank you? Like, I really appreciate... It was a very uh, subtle way of doing it. And like, she didn't she didn't post about it or anything. But she did go to the memorial, tie a ribbon, and say a few words at the memorial. I think that might have been in the... Uh, in the actually she did officially post about it on her instagram okay and i it might i i get the sense that it showed up in the interview with itv that she did Mm -hmm. that um yeah she which is very interesting and and eventually when we talk again about Meghan markle because i'm Mm -hmm. sure it won't be the the last Mm -hmm. um what i really want to say is that Wow, she's fucking savvy. Yeah, that was Holy a shit. very, very... Because I, the way she used that platform, mm-hmm. and I do say she, mm-hmm. because... No. You know, no, it was her. It was and, her. And, and as like, some, yeah. As someone who works in those spaces or is adjacent mm-hmm. to, like, advocacy spaces, having someone of that profile coming and then putting an accent and underlying gender-based violence is an epidemic and is something that we need to be paying more attention to, I was like, thank you. Like, that's something, like you're using your powers in a way that is tangible. But she has been since she got... Exactly. And I think... Famous. Since she got hyper famous because Mm -hmm. she married someone, which is also weird. Um, Yeah. But she would have gone there anyway. Yeah, she She would have gone anyway. She was involved in those things anyway. So it was was just a nice way for her to highlight and underline that. And I was like... And brought international attention, which is sad that there wasn't enough international attention to this beforehand. Well, black girls... Exactly, and that's the other thing: is how do we see black uh, girlhood Which is and womanhood? Another reason why I find her sort of elevating that interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm getting off track, and I'm so basically, uh, this story wrapped up this week because the post office worker who um, ended Mauritania's life uh, was uh, arraigned in court this week, and he pleaded guilty to all the charges. So there wasn't an extended trial like there was with Oscar Pistorius, Mm, which I don't know if you follow that trial, but it was very painful to watch. It was very traumatizing if you are a survivor of violence. Yes. Um, But uh, coming back to Mauritania's story. So the. And that was a white woman. Exactly. So it was a white woman from an influential family who was well known and famous in despite her outside of her relationship with Pistorius. So if she didn't have a shot, fuck. Yeah. No black girl would. Exactly. And South Africa has a very intense, uh, has a really, has a bigger conversation that needs to happen around um, racial oh, divides. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Eric is laughing because I'm being so polite about it. You are. And I, I, I get it. Yeah. Because you're just like, oh, I can't even with this. I, <laughs> I just, if I start, I won't stop. Right. Uh, but it was good that he, so he pleaded guilty to all the charges because he was charged for murder and assault and a lot of uh, also like battery and uh, because he also hid her body 
for a couple of days in the post office because she was missing and like mm. then burned her body. Oh, good like, Lord. It's very graphic. I'm sorry. We should probably put a warning before saying all those things. Well, this uh, whole podcast is a trigger warning. No, but it is, it is very intense things to talk about, but it was, it, I think it's important to close the loop on these stories because a lot of times we'll hear the, about them when they're in the peak of the story and like, a lot of people heard about Meghan Markle tying that ribbon and doing that, but mm. no one closes the loop and it's important to close that yeah, loop. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To have a conversation, but also just see, there was a foundation that was started because Mortenia was a student on scholarship. She was brilliant. She was mm. a really smart young woman, um, had a lot going for her, was very involved on her campus and was seen as someone who had a lot of things that she was going to accomplish as she went forward. So there was a scholarship, to, uh, scholarship established in her name, and her family is grieving, but they've at least closed one loop in terms of um, making sure that there's recognition of what happened and it's recorded. And uh, we know what happened in terms of Muritanya's uh, unfortunate passing. So, yeah, that really, like, it was kind of one of those things that it happened. It made me upset that it happened, but it's also, it, it's... It's one of those things, femicide is not taken seriously enough a lot of times to to have a loop closed. Yeah, it isn't. That in this case, this high profile case, because this is a high profile case, so that's why we have a decision that's being made and like yeah. the government is aggressively pursuing pursuing it. this. It's it was good to be like, okay, so like this is what happened at the beginning and this is what happened at the end. Of course, the story, like, it's still difficult for the families and they're still dealing with a lot of stuff, but at least there's a, there's a sense of a cycle. And again, we can get into the debate about whether incarceration is the solution to all of crimes and, like, whether you're an abolitionist when it comes to incarceration, what does that mean and stuff like that. But I think it's important to close loops on big stories like these ones because then it's not hanging, the, like, a weird balance. That was my thing. It was just, like, ugh, I'm glad that we have a thick, like they closed a loop in a way, but mm-hmm. it's still frustrating as hell that this happened. It doesn't move the needle, does it? No, and it's one of those things. Like, um, so this uh, case was, uh, um, if you follow a little bit, like this case really did get people out. Advocates, people who are lifelong advocates, but also people who generally don't generally don't engage with the topic, were out because it is something that affects people. Dis- like across class levels across race lines it is something that's really really big in south africa right now and this propelled it into public conversation mm-hmm. um and really mobilized people around um bodily autonomy uh conversation the way women's bodies are treated in south african society and how women's um survival is treated as well um so yeah it's one of those stories that's kind of a bummer. It's a story that sucks, but it's sad. It's even sadder because this is actually a story that ends relatively well compared to a lot of stories when it comes to these ter- types of um, murders and crimes uh, that just they just go into a file and disappear and no one really solves it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it just goes to show how many others there are that don't get that mm-hmm. recognition. The the number is terrifying. What is it? The numbers. Uh, so there are 40,000 cases of rape that are reported every year. Most of the victims are females. One in five women in South Africa are assaulted by their partners. Femicide in South Africa is five times higher than the average global global average. 
that was a 2016 survey. And then when it's broken broken down by region and sexual offenses and murder and also looking at the definition of what it means uh, to be assaulted in South Africa and stuff like that, it's I think there's a global trend right now to have a conversation about femicide and how we treat sexual assault. There are pockets of those conversations that are happening and we're finally starting to tie those conversations up. So if you think about La Menada in Spain, what's happening in South Africa, I think there's there's small pockets of those conversations the judicial system is having to catch up with the realities of survivors and i think that needs to be continued to push i think even we still have a lot of work to do in canada and i think there are a lot of people trying to do that work but we need a larger mobilization anyway the oscars again are fucking up so basically starting in 2020 so next, the next Oscars, the Best Foreign Language Film Award will be known as the Best International Feature Film Prize. <laughs> right. While the shift away from the outdated nomenclature s- signals a desire to broaden voters' horizon, the Academy undoes this small gesture with a major oversight. The rules for a film's eligibility have stayed the same. This means... Movies that would not have qualified under the old requirements, and the old requirements stipulate that at least 50% of the dialogue must be in a language other than English, will also not qualify now. Yeah. Even if they are technically international. By reiterating the language requirement, the Academy is calling attention to how its rules are fundamentally stacked against filmmakers from countries outside the U.S. and parts of Europe. And you were talking about uh, off the air about um, the new rule is it has to be one third English or it can't be more than one third English. Yeah. So the new rule as of, I think, April 2016 is using. So they have a two thirds measuring system. So if the movie has more than a third, if more than a third of the movie is in English, it's disqualified. So a third of the movie can be in English, but no more than that. So at the center of this new debate is Netflix's Lionheart, a Nigerian movie about a woman struggling to keep her family's business afloat. Though some characters speak in Igbo, the film's dialogue is largely in the country's official language, which, because of Nigeria's colonial history, is English. Lionheart then is ineligible for the best international film category despite being an international movie shot in the most populous country in Africa. Of Lionheart's disqualification, the director and star Genevieve Nagy tweeted, quote, this movie represents the way we speak as Nigerians. This includes English, which acts as a bridge between the 500 plus languages spoken in our country, thereby making us hashtag one Nigeria, unquote. She addresses, she added in a follow-up tweet, quote, we did not choose who colonized us as ever. This film and many like it are proudly, is proudly Nigerian, unquote. I also want to point out that I found out about this through Ava DuVernay, Mm -hmm. who has been tweeting about this um, 
almost ad nauseum in her, in, in her <laughs> oh, lovely way. Uh, and she barely said, to the Academy, you disqualify Nigeria's first ever submission for the best international feature because it's in English. But English is the official language of Nigeria. Are you barring this country from ever competing for an Oscar in its official language? End quote. And that was the tweet. And I was like, wow. I love a- uh, Ava DuVernay, by the way. She is she is a gift from God. Yeah, that woman has changed, fundamentally changed a lot of ways the movie industry operates, especially in its relationship to black women. She has. And I would also like to point out that I think she made her first, she she hadn't picked up a camera until she was in her, way into her 30s. Mm-hmm, yeah. It and was her second career. It was her second career. So, in other words, life is never over until you quench out. That's my little piece. <laughs> That's your tidbit. That's my little tidbit. Um, but yeah, like, I had feelings. Yeah, that I have I, a lot of feelings I about this. I didn't asking. really express. Um, yeah, I usually it. express through Twitter. And I, I just find this. I find. Remember, did I tell you the story about how nobody knows what the fuck they're doing? <laughs> no, but uh, tell me more. Okay. So I, um, I was talking to somebody who just, you know, a friend of a friend kind of thing. And mm-hmm. she was she was just saying, hey, like, I have this university friend who coaches Fortune 50 company heads. Mm-hmm. So the 50th, the 50 most successful companies, according to market capital capitalization or market cap, as they mm-hmm. call it, in the world. And she's like, you know what he said to me? I said, what? So he's their coach, right? Mm-hmm. They don't know shit about like what's going on in the world mm-hmm. and how their businesses are situated and they don't un- they still don't understand the internet. Yeah. And they still don't understand social media. And this is like this year mm-hmm. that this was said. Yeah. So I just want this to be an example of how the academy doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. They don't. They are. Let's 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 re let's remember the ways in which they they cannot. <laughs> the the other thing too that is that the world is more diverse, right? Yeah. And these the countries that they're operating in are more diverse, even if it's America, Canada, Britain, the usual mm-hmm. countries. And so the population has changed. Their point of view has changed, and. It's messing up a lot of people in mm-hmm. CEO positions who should know their own business. Yeah. And what she said was that, think about it. These people have grown up a certain way with certain tenets in terms of the way they work, in terms of the work they do. And all that has changed in a, mi- in a matter of a, c- a few years. Yeah, but it was also incredibly arrogant of them to think that it wasn't going to change. Now, I didn't say (laughs) (laughs) that they were right. What I'm saying is always remember this when um, when people try to advise you Mm -hmm. because a lot of people who don't know shit try to advise others. And also when we're talking about this story. And that's the reason I brought it up, because in the last few years, the motion picture, the Academy of Motor Motion 
picture arts and sciences has caught their ass, okay, and has showed their yeah. ass. So I will harken back to um, April. Oh, what's April's last name? Oscar's so white, April. Uh, I will tell you right away. Okay. Because she deserves this. Um, yeah, she needs a shout out. She needs. So around, I feel it was 2016, 2015, 16. Mm-hmm. 15, I think. Um, uh, April I, Rain? April Rain, mm-hmm. right. Because she has rainy day jobs, mm-hmm. right. Um, 2015. 2015, April Rain conceived the hashtag Oscar's so white. Because she, like many of us, were tired of just a certain white point of view being honored by the Academy. Usually it was a coming of age white man story or it was some white man story where, you know, they are not as life didn't turn out the way they thought it should. Anyway, it's some white dude story, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, how white men how white men are affected by loss or how white women are affected by loss you know mm-hmm. and it's never a moonlight it's never anything like that there have been some brilliant films of color uh, that have gone under the radar because they don't have the, the hollywood distribution system mm-hmm. and therefore don't get picked up by the academy that by the academy yeah they're not given the same platform. right so i remember jada pinkett smith mm-hmm. boycotted the a cat the oscars i think maybe in 2016 i feel like Mm -hmm. somewhere around there in support um of oscars so white and um so the academy has been basically been on its back heel since about Mm 2014-15 and last year the academy welcomed 928 new voters many of whom were women people of color and many of many and members younger than the institution's average because the voters are also okay boomer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's so, one, been one of the big criticisms. So they're the old. Awards. They don't understand the internet. They don't understand internet culture, which mm. really is pop culture these days. They don't understand how that affects. The, so think about it. If you had a really cool coming of age story about, um, you know how you found let's say you're trans and you Mm -hmm. had this coming of age story about how you found yourself through tumblr or something Mm -hmm. and then tumblr shut it down and you know something like that that was some that would be sort of um something that with an older academy awards voting block they wouldn't get that yeah so they would just dismiss it Mm -hmm. because god forbid somebody might actually engage in something that they don't understand Mm -hmm. anyway back to lionheart yeah another movie it's an austrian movie joy uh was disqualified for the same reason and um basically uh the academy introduced um going back to the public outcry mm-hmm. introduced a new popular film category which got panned where people are like what the fuck is this so all this to say they don't know what they're doing that's been established so going on to joy so joy is now the second one in a row and i believe that was a black filmmaker too yeah so, so this is not a good look for them because they just disqualified two, two black people but black sh- filmmakers and joy is an interesting movie because it centers around the lives of sex workers 
black oh. sex workers. Oh, good Lord. So, you know, that's out of the picture because yeah. God forbid the the blue haired in the Academy motion picture <laughs> would think that that is worth something mm-hmm. unless it's hustler and it's glitzy and glam. Yeah. Then then it's an Oscar. worthy. Then movie. it's Oscar worthy because then we don't have to see the icky stuff. Um, just to go back to um, like this is this. Uh, so can we talk about the difference between the foreign feature film, the foreign feature, the foreign movie, the for- oh, fuck. <laughs> best foreign film mm-hmm. and versus, versus the transition of names? Yeah. Yeah. Is it just a name transition? What were they trying to get at? I think they were trying to get at. To, so they kind of showed their ass. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> because what this change of name showed is that they were trying to scrub it and like they were trying to sell us the same lamp twice just being like but look it's prettier and less racist uh because there's a connotation towards foreign because it's also important to remember like why this category exists so the category exists to highlight movies that are made outside of the u.s and introduce them to major u.s audiences because a lot of the movies that are going to be in uh that are going to be um highlighted in the bigger categories so best picture best actor uh, etc are going to be movies that are a made in the u.s and b usually come from an american um production company so those movies are the ones that are going to dominate those bigger categories uh so the best foreign film category was created to highlight talent outside the u.s and to give it a platform in in that space Initially, it was also a way for them to introduce uh, different languages to the festival. No, not the festival. It's not a festival, but award show. Uh, But what this change of name shows is that they conflate foreign language to international. But that's not the case if you think about it. Foreign languages are not, does not necessarily mean not American. Does that make sense? Am I making sense to you? Okay. So in this case... Nigeria is a, the the movie that um, Lionheart is an international movie, but it's not a foreign language movie because English is a main language in the States. Okay, 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 okay. So, in other words, you're not foreign enough exactly. if you speak English, mm-hmm. but you're not American enough mm-hmm. to be included in Best Picture. Exactly. Oh, I see. So, in other words... In order to be included, you have to fit the mostly white, mostly um, all-American academy idea of what belonging and identity and foreign is. And, well, even more than that. Because that's what it comes down to. It's even more than that because it shows that the academy doesn't actually understand how the world works. Because a lot of places in the world don't, the language traditions are very different. Like um, Guyana, for one, mm-hmm. which is the only English-speaking South American country. Mm-hmm. However, it's still from foreign. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it is still a movie from outside of the U.S. And if it were produced, it would be a story that is from outside the U.S. and would be a production company from outside the U.S. Yeah, but it doesn't. So it kind of shows like just a lack of knowledge and understanding that they have for the world. Which is so shit. <laughs> I don't have any other word. It's like unfortunate because you're in the business of learning and telling stories and people's stories, but you have no understanding of how the world works. It's such a narrow view of the world. So 
foreign and international. Okay, I get it. Okay, do you know what I? Yeah, I so see like, it. So Nigeria think- is a f- like Lionheart is a foreign film, but it's not an interna- like it's an international film. Sorry, but it's not not a foreign, foreign film, film to according to, to the academy. According rules. to the academy's rules, because in order to be a foreign film, you have mm-hmm. to have more than one third. No, yeah, or basically percent, whatever. So basically, I see. It's kind of not. Um, this is discrimination. Yeah, it is discrimination, plain and simple. And it's not acknowledging historical context. Exactly. Like, okay, so, be, so all this, so now, oh yeah, my gosh, this is so wild. It's really bad when you think about it. Because it is really bad. They To them being foreign and being international are the same thing, but they're not the they're same not thing. They're not the same thing. It's very different things. And refusing to acknowledge that and refusing to acknowledge that, you know what, like, some places have different things. So Canada, for example, cannot submit a uh, movie for consideration for international film if it's an English-speaking movie. Yeah, that's why... It could be a typically Canadian story. That's why they all come from Quebec. That's all, why all of the f- Canadian movies that have been submitted and nominated and won awards at the Academy Awards have been movies from Quebec. They're actually... And they've been good movies. Actually. Great movies. Excellent Absolutely movies. So fantastic good. movies. Yeah. But... That's why you'll probably never really... Well, unless the rules change, which I hope they do. Mm-hmm. Because what this rule also... It, it's also not a good look that they're disqualifying Africans mm-hmm. and and then other black people mm-hmm. because of the hashtag Oscar so white, which exactly. is why I brought it in in the first exactly. place. It is not a good look. And that's the thing is like this Oscar so white, it was a, I think there was multiple conversations behind the Oscar so white. Yeah. There's the primary conversation of them just physically, like just like the main categories, just looking so white. But I think there's a secondary conversation and it's finally happening about where these movies are coming from. Yeah. Why do we think that the pinnacle of excellence is the Joker? Some people love that movie. It's not really my thing. I'm not probably not going to watch it. But I think even just from trailers, there has been a lot of really interesting cinema that's happened around the world that has. You know why else? Should have you know why else they're discriminating? That. It's Netflix. I think that that's, might be a part of it. Too. That's part of it. Because they, both Joy and Lionheart are released through Netflix as well. Yeah, they hate Netflix. Mm-hmm. They love Tarantino and and you know his pro- prolific use of the n-word i'm sure mm-hmm. because then they can feel better about saying their little yeah. n-word but and they love the cohen brothers mm-hmm. that's another favorite which i feel is played out but whatever i do uh, listen the big lebowski is a classic yeah. i will never say it's not but let's be honest i mean sunshine doesn't the point is is that the academy has their favorites yeah they have their darlings and they They have have their their darlings darlings. even in the international oh yeah film category sergio what's his name almodovar thank you no no that's pedro that's pedro almodovar they love him they love they love mexican directors Mm -hmm. even though some of the mexican directors have been my favorite at calling the the kind of hypocrisy of the international foreign category didn't um oh gosh i'm gonna uh, who's the director the, of Roma? Guillermo. Guillermo del Toro. Yes. yes. He's the one who's like, yeah, my foreign films were your, um, what are all the gangster movies from the 80s and 70s that I'm supposed to have watched, but I haven't? Scorsese oh. ones. Oh, um, yeah. The like, what are they called? But, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> 
okay. <laughs> like mob movies yeah basically all the mob movies he yeah. was like those were my foreign films yeah. american movies to me are my foreign films yeah so it's really interesting and um and he called him the journalist out he's like yeah it's weird that you're trying to say my film is a foreign film no your films are foreign films to me not only that mexico is not what i would call foreign to the no, u.s no like but it's like it's story, basically a border shift exactly but the story of roma because it centers indigenous folks yeah. and indigenous stories is very I still different have to see that I, I haven't seen it yet too it's my biggest like i need to watch it in uh, fact even in mexico mm-hmm. like the star of roma who i follow on instagram yelitsa yelitsa was um even she like other mexican actresses mm-hmm. had to rally around to get the Mexican press to feature her and stuff. I know. Because it's that white-centered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, There's, uh, and I think it's across Latin America. Like, yeah. there is... Indigenous a, people are basically... There's an erasure of indigenous folks, yes, yeah. and and are basically, you know... Indigenous people all over the world are just treated horribly, Yeah, to be honest. Absolutely. I think coming back to, like, this conversation and, like, secondary conversations that are going to come out of Oscar So White... Um, 83% of the winners of the best foreign film language foreign language film category have been European countries. Oh, shocking. France? S- yeah, France has won a lot of them. Uh Sweden, Germany, Italy has won the most awards actually. Italy? Yeah. There was a time where Italy was like the darling of cinema. Well, Italy was the darling of cinema mm-hmm. around Sophia Loren's time. And then you had Sergio, what's his name, with the spaghetti western. <laughs> um, Sergio. But there was a time. I don't know which uh, one you're talking about. Leon, I think it was. Leon? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Yes, I was right. Okay, <laughs> yes. So, y'all, this is my, like, all of this, all of this memory is my dad coming out because my dad's a big film like, buff. He's a big old film buff. Okay. So, you want to know any, so, like, I have random, like, pop culture references. <laughs> I can remember names of these things. But yeah, Sergio Leone, who was um, an Italian film director, producer, screenwriter basically invented the spaghetti western genre uh, around the 60s mm-hmm. and 70s and so um i think through him through sophia loren through there's been a lot and then you then you have you know then it turns over into the scorsese's mm-hmm. yeah oh sorry in between you had the francis ford coppola's the brian de palma's i think mm-hmm. brian de palma's I'm not sure if I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Embedded within um, Hollywood mm-hmm. is a huge Italian, um, uh, I guess, there was characteristic. Almost, characteristic, but it's also like yeah. there's a nostalgia towards Italy, right? That if you had a group of voters that is a certain make, like if you're okay, looking at... Okay, what make is that? No, because we're talking... we're not here to... No, 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 because we're talking about the composition of the Oscar voting right. pool. If they're... Well, well, think of how old they are, Yeah, right? exactly. If they're and from Italian yeah. backgrounds, like, or if they have families... Not even. If yeah. they're just old enough to remember the Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns, yeah. Sergio Leone's... What's her name's father? Dern. Bruce Dern. Mm-hmm. Laura Dern's yeah. father. Uh, was a huge spaghetti western like some big names besides Clint Eastwood came out of that (laughs) and um 
and this is separate from the influence of mm-hmm. Sophia Loren or the influence of what's his name? Liza Minnelli's dad yeah. was was an Italian director. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, it's a, <laughs> you have a treasure trove. I have a treasure trove of yes. Uh, uh, but but all I'm saying is I'm not surprised. Absolutely because not. but it just goes to show that this stuff is not based on who's better. It's it's an influence game. Mm-hmm. This is all an influence game. I'm sorry. I love like Ottawa. This is one of the biggest things in Ottawa that has I found extremely frustrating. And thank God we have Netflix. But like, I grew up in a place where like I've interacted with movies from all over the world, and like that's just my speed. That's what I like. I like hearing stories from different parts of the world. But it is ex- there are very few places in the city that you can actually watch a movie that's not in English, and that's period. Like even French movies are a lot harder to like French version movies of things are very hard to find in the city they're not accessible which is funny because it's supposed to be a bilingual city exactly so it's one of those things where like for there is an audience and a hunger for it like i went to the movies this week to watch parasite the room was full i waited in line and minus 20 degrees to go into a foreign Ooh. film it Ooh, was a girl grand, yeah but it was a really good movie it was really good okay it really and where's good. it from uh south korea great movie please go watch it i personally think it should be nominated for best picture and that the dad in the uh, film should be nominated for best actor because he gives a fantastic performance and that the mom no he's actually i don't know if he would i think he would be supporting actor and that the mom should also be the mom and the daughter but fantastic movie really fucked up very weird but absolutely great please go watch it (laughs) and there we have it for this week's bad and bitchy so, uh, again, support us on our Patreon and stay tuned for Misogynist of the Week, which will come out on Friday. Bye! Bye.